1: about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show.
2: I will just go ahead and call it The New Rob Carson Show. How does that sound? Uh, Welcome to the show, guys. This is hour number two. We have a special guest on the show this hour. Do you remember me playing this campaign ad about a week ago? This is the
3: scariest sound you will hear when you live in a communist country. This is the last sound my parents heard when their fathers were taken away in the middle of night and they never saw their loved ones again. That's the sound of losing your freedom, the sound of always living in fear. That's my family's real life story. We escaped from Vietnam just days before Saigon fell to the
2: communists. Now, we'll talk to Hunkal at the bottom of the hour. He's got a compelling story, and he's running against Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Hillary Clinton ran for president unsuccessfully, even though she had the FBI involved and everything, and they created a Russia collusion hoax, and they paid for a dossier, and it involved peeing in a hotel room. I don't know who comes up with this stuff. I, re- I in my wildest dreams, I'd say, you know what? We need to tie Donald Trump into Russia collusion by getting saying there were some prostitutes in a hotel room that Barack and Michelle stayed at, and they peed on the bed. I mean, who comes up with that? It, I mean, hate for creativity. This it was really, but I mean, believability not so much. So anyway, uh, Tim Kaine was her vice president. Vice president. K- I know. I I totally forgot as well because he's so unmemorable but uh, yeah he was the vice president and now he's a senator and you know back to being a senator and all that and so hung Gao is uh is working to unseat him and we'll see what happens and we'll get to know him a little bit at the bottom of the hour because he has a pretty impressive uh resume to say the least so that's uh, that's coming up on the show also the secret service um <laughs> this is a uh, this is a story i believe this is out of breitbart it says here uh secret service vet on White House cocaine, somebody's stopping this from being thoroughly investigated. I know. I'm as shocked as you are. <laughs> Dan Bocino said this last week. He, I shared the audio. He says, uh, if you're not going to interview them, then all 500 people who were in the White House that day should never be allowed back in the White House because they're all suspects. Right? I mean, you you got to find somebody. They, they said that the uh, the investigation was inconclusive, so wouldn't the most obvious thing do if you can't narrow it down just to say, okay, nobody's allowed here? You know, it's like that thing when you were a kid. If you, brought, if you had gum and nobody else in the class had gum, you had to bring gum for everybody. I mean, a, a, you know, very tenuous uh, relationship between the stories there. But I think, you, uh, you know, you get the point so uh, uh, a security expert who worked with the secret service 20 years says he's surprised the agency is closing the investigation into how cocaine was found at one of the most secure buildings in the world it's kind of weird because uh, some unarmed people were able to break into the most secure secure uh, building in the world in January 6th of 20, 2021 uh, the agency said it could not conduct interviews as part of its internal investigation citing the roughly 500 potential suspects and that it planned to close the probe in the coming weeks the agent who is uh, speaking to just the news, John Solomon's just the news, not Breitbart. Uh, if you uh, tell them to go out and get uh, to the end of something, that's exactly what they're going to do. So clearly it's a little bit different. This is a, uh, the, the, uh, C, the uh, Secret Service is clearly being told that uh, this should just go away. But you know, again, I don't need to point out to you the obvious, which is country's most prolific cocaine addict. Now lives in the White House. Cocaine is found in the White House for the first time. Okay, you just go ahead and make up your mind. I'm sure you'll come up with a completely different uh, you know, result than I did. Or you'll just say, well, duh, of course it was Hunter Biden. <laughs> there is that. I had mentioned that we are uh, winning And uh, one of the things that we're winning in is the culture wars. We're obviously winning in the economic wars because we're showing the folly of Bidenomics. It's very obvious every single day. All of the policies of Joe Biden are proving that they are ineffectual. So I don't need to tell you, oh, yeah, pulling out of Afghanistan was a mistake. Clearly, it was uh, stupid and uh, and foolhardy, as with most things. Um, But we are also winning on the cultural front as well. Uh, you know Dylan Mulvaney the reason why people stop drinking Bud Light is because he made fun of women by trying to pretend to be one and all of the people in the country said hey I've got a mom who was a woman and a wife who was a woman uh, or I'm a woman not me personally uh, and it's an insult to women and then target decided that they should uh, they should uh, sell books that I can't read out loud to children and do uh, tuck-friendly swimsuits for little boys who want to be little girls because their moms have Munchausen by proxy. So, you know, <laughs> and, and they failed. They did an epic fail as well. So the cultural wars are, are failing, and here's this. Thousands of diversity, equity, and inclusion officers are being fired Nationwide. Maybe it's because they don't do anything. <laughs> maybe it, maybe that's it. Yeah. Thousands of diversity and equity offers have been laid off, and left-wing activists are panicking. This according to the Wall Street Journal of all places. So thousands of diversity-focused workers who've been laid off in the last year after many companies had rushed to prove that they were implementing diversity, equity, inclusion policies— Uh, Miriam Warren, a a diversity officer at Yelp, said there's a combination of grief, being very tired, and being in some cases overwhelmed. The uh, report cites frequent social media firestorms to explain why some companies are pivoting away from DEI officers. Well, it's the white guilt industrial complex is what it is. They created an industry about being offended. And then they told everybody at work that we had to uh, believe everything that the left tells us. See, that's what it was. It really wasn't about diversity, equity, inclusion. It was about it was about groupthink. Really. So uh, according to one estimate, the, the DEI industry ballooned to three point four billion dollars in 2020. Since then, chief diversity officers are experiencing 40% higher turnover as compared to other positions, according to a study. A separate study found that uh, searches of chief diversity officer have dropped by 75% over the last year. One hiring expert said it was the lowest demand he's seen in 30 years. Almost as bad as, I don't know, working in radio. That's how the the on-air jobs just plummeted. Just, you know, plummeted. uh, one activist whined that the usefulness of white guilt had run out of these companies. Uh, one critic, uh, Christopher Rufo, a journalist, said, we are crushing the DEI industry, but this is just the beginning. We will not stop until DEI is gone. And I agree. And in Missouri, a school board rescinded diversity, equity, and inclusion resolution implemented during the BLM riots. So the Francis Howell School District said, uh, we're done. Racism is a crisis that negatively uh, impacts our students, families, community, and to fight that would ensure that the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion are integrated into the culture, blah, blah, blah. On Thursday, the school board voted to allow that resolution to ex- expire. The uh, school board member, Jane Puzgar, said, My thought on the policy is that what has, really, has it done? How effective has it been? Show me proof I haven't got any. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. It divides. That's what it does. Then a, a school board in Southern California angered many on the left when it kicked out the state's public education bureaucrat from a meeting during which it voted to preserve parental rights over the transgender agenda. And this is how it's going. This is, so this, this, uh, the, the school votes to get rid of the, the rule that would allow parents or allow students to keep with, between them and their administrators their sex change transition. And their pronouns and all that. And the school board said, "Uh, that's that's ridiculous. And so this bureaucrat comes there to try to plead the case, which has already been pled, and it's been showed that it's failure. And this is what happened. Yeah, people are waking up to it. People are waking up to the nonsense. Jason Aldean's show, Try That in a Small Town, number one song in the country. Because people like Sonny Hostin decided to make it in some sort of a uh, Paint America as Racist thing, which is what the left always does. They always think the worst of us. Well, we said, no, it's not about racism. And I just got a note from uh, one of my listeners... And he said, uh, I surfed a bunch of different channels that, that uh, cater to uh, black viewers, and not one is talking about how Jason Aldean's song is racist. And they're actually decrying racist for those who say it is racist. They're saying, no, it's not. And when you think about the lyrics, sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjack an old lady at a red light, pull a gun on a liquor's, on the owner of a liquor store. Oh, I'm sorry. Those aren't lyrics. Those are a, we- a Baltimore weekend. I apologize. I apologize. And that's a, a weekend in Manhattan. That's a- another thing. Uh, Cuss out a cop. Spit in his face. Stomp on the flag. Light it up. Yeah, you think you're tough. Try that in a small town. And, uh, and Greg Gutfeld said on Friday what I said Friday morning. And that is, uh, if you think that... Saying, sucker punch somebody on the sidewalk, carjack an old lady, a red light, polygon on the owner of a liquor store. If you think that this song is racist, you're the racist because you're assuming when you say this is anti black and whatever that only black people. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face, stomp on a flag and light it up, sucker punch, carjack. Literally, we have Karens of the Democrat Party saying that uh, that only black people do this, and that's why this song is racist. Do you, do you understand now? Gutfeld said it on Friday. I said, well, it, it, there's nothing more racist than saying that the song is racist because of the lyrics. And uh, Jason Aldean was just talking about the summer of 2020. And he, and he used a courthouse that's been used in dozens of other videos, including a Christmas special with Miley Cyrus. <laughs> so the... Uh, the People are, the, the cry of racism is being, uh, is falling on deaf ears. And people are really just tired of the nonsense. I have audio here I want to play. This is a, uh, a video that's gone viral. This is a, a man of color, a black man, speaking to a uh, California school board. And I want you to listen to what he had to say. Because um, this is, I believe, uh, the state of a lot of people in the black community with regard to the policies that the Democrat Party has ushered in. Listen to what he had to say to the school board. It's really good. It's really good stuff.
0: There are ten things that black students don't need. Number one, we don't need affirmative action. That's right. Number two, we don't need equity. Nope. Number three, we don't need to be pandered to. Nope. Number four, we don't need you to dumb down test scores in order for us to thrive.
2: It doesn't make you better.
0: Number five, we don't need a school system promoting victim mentality.
2: One thousand percent.
0: Number six, we don't need the soft bigotry of low expectations that's
2: a uh, that's a, a phrase that my friend Chris Plant uses all the time the soft bigotry of low expectations meaning that if you get to Harvard and you fail the entrance exam uh, lower the standards you see where I'm going here
0: heard from other
2: people yeah, there you go thank you listen to the applause
0: we don't need number 7 critical race theory no. or intersectionality
2: no we don't
0: number 8 we don't need Reparations or any more welfare states.
2: Because what has a government check ever done for anybody?
0: Number nine, we don't need to be propped up as the darlings of the LGBTQ community (laughs) as Dwayne Wade has done with his son, Zaire. Right. Number ten, we don't need white liberals telling us that they know what's best for us. Yeah, because uh, white liberals are the
2: ones that said defund the police after George Floyd died. And look what that did. Did that policy affect anybody living on Martha's Vineyard? No. But it sure as hell impacted a whole lot of people in Detroit and Chicago and St. Louis, and I could go on and on and on. Uh, There is an awakening happening. It's very, very, very positive. Coming up, um, Kamala Harris tells, uh, well, basically uh, goes after florida curriculum schools for a reason they're trying to build her up i'm gonna uh, play what she said about slavery being taught in schools in florida and the reaction that it's gotten that's on the way here's the number 800 this is the rob carson show President Trump is fighting back, by the way. He is urging you to get a copy of the uh, new best-selling book, David Horowitz, uh, brand new. It's called Final Battle. And uh, it is a fascinating read. It says America faces a final battle in the coming 2024 election. I believe we can all agree on that. And David Horowitz is warning about the deep state efforts to stop Trump, which have been exposed, by the way. I think we're all very aware of them. Mike Huckabee, who's going to be a guest on this show next hour says every Christian in America needs it to prepare by getting David Horowitz's The Final Battle, and you can get it free, or you can go to Amazon and pay for it. I don't care, but if you want it free, go to Final Battle 611, and you'll get a copy from Newsmax, okay? So Final Battle 611, that is Final Battle 611, if you want a copy of the uh, of the book and you don't want to pay for it. I think it's pretty awesome. My friend Jim Gossett, who is, uh, who is my... Uh, Uh, To, to, uh, let's uh, say, Paul Shanklin was to Rush Limbaugh. What uh, Jim Gossett is to the Rob Carson show, and he has just sent something this morning. I just saw a label. I'm just going to play it because I trust him because he's funny, and so is this show. Enjoy.
1: Hey, Rob Carson. Uh, What? I listen to him. Thank you. I never miss One single show That's very nice He's always funny And on the money What he'll say next You never know
2: He-Man may be gay Coming up Go
1: catch the stupid
2: What? That's
1: his motto (laughs) And that Rob's always true Freedom's promoted yeah,
2: it should be to committed. To always
1: bring, bring the truth to you. Ooh, he's on Newsmax.
2: Uh, yes, yes and I Bob's am. Rob's
1: always got the facts. Yeah. On radio and on TV. His show is loaded. How oh, it's exploded. Exploded. out.
2: Yeah, most of my, Saturday, uh, my satire is not as self-serving, but I'll, uh, I'll take it. The great Jim Gossett, by the way. The great Jim Gossett. Go to jimgossettcomedy.com if you'd like to check his, his uh, material out. I mean that in a very pure form. Uh, but do it. Uh, JimGossetComedy.com. So Kamala Harris said this. Uh, uh, Kamala Harris is screaming that they want to teach uh, slavery in Florida because there is a uh, uh, curriculum that has been unveiled there that uh, talks about uh, slavery uh, from a different, a very unique perspective. And I'll share that in a second. But here is what Kamala Harris, who's uh, and about as dumb as a box of rocks, without the uh, rocks, uh, here she is talking about it.
4: And while they do this, yes. check it out. They push forward revisionist history.
2: Okay. Not really. Just
4: yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery.
2: Now, uh, that's utter nonsense, of course. Utter, utter nonsense for a number of reasons. Um, when you say that the enslaved never. Learned anything while they were enslaved. it's an insult to those who were enslaved. When you just cast uh, those who were slaves as victims, you really are cheapening their lives because they spent their lives in bondage and and they lived and died so that many could live and die, and we could see the Institute of slavery and we could defeat the Institute of slavery. So when you just say things like, "Oh, they're trying to convince you that slavery was good, I mean, really? Does, any, does anybody believe that at all? Anybody believe that at all? That they want to teach children that slavery, uh, that slaves got useful skills from being a slave? Um, I'm gonna tell you, uh, I did a lot of physical labor. I'm not comparing myself to a slave, so knock it off, okay? Just knock it off. I learned through the labor of my life how to do a lot of things. Whether that be farm work, whether it be animal husbandry, whether that, that has nothing to do with getting married to animals. Uh, it's taking care of animals. Uh, it is uh, manual labor provides you with the, for instance, I know how to drive a tractor. I know how to run the equipment. I know how to harvest food. I know how to plant food. So I- anyone who experiences a life experience, even if it is one in bondage, if, if you are living the life, you can learn from it. All right? And when you say that uh, slavery, uh, that slaves were just slaves and that was it, you're forsaking the legacy that they left, including things that still impact us today, like music of all other things, not in defense of slavery, of course, and nobody believes that. Coming up, Scott Jennings, he is a congressman, he responds to it, and also a little bit more from uh, Kamala in your phone calls, 800-922-6680. Hung Kao, also coming up next.
3: The scariest sound you will hear when you live in a communist country. This is the last sound my parents heard when their fathers were taken away in the middle of the night, and they never saw their loved ones again.
2: That is a powerful ad from a gentleman named Hung Kao, who is running for Senate against Tim Kaine. The uh, and I just want to remind you, he was the vice president on Hillary Clinton's ticket. I know I had forgotten as well. He's a senator. Uh, Hung Kao joins us on the Newsmax Hotline. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the show. Rob, thank you so much for having me. You know, I remember you had uh, you had run for Congress. And uh, I remember writing you on LinkedIn like a year or so ago, and, uh, and, and it surprised me because I saw this new ad and I went, oh, my God, this is fantastic. I went to LinkedIn and I went, oh, yeah, hung cow, of course. Um, let me ask you, I want to get into your, your Senate bid, why it's important. But for those who don't know your story, can you give us in a nutshell uh, what it was like, your family escaping from Vietnam and, and how you and your family have lived the American dream since coming here?
5: No, thank you for, for that lead-in. So uh, we left there when I was four years old, um, and really days before the fall of Saigon. We came over here, and my father was the deputy minister of agriculture in Vietnam, and he went to school in Cornell. So they're like, well, you know, it's great that you have a Ph.D. in agriculture, but unless you want to be a farmer, there's not much to be do over here um, with that knowledge. So he, they got him a job in West Africa, in Niger, where he developed uh, third-world countries for the USAID. So the first seven years of my life uh, after, you know, after uh, we left Vietnam was actually in West Africa, where I spoke French at uh, school and spoke Vietnamese at home. Then at that point, my mom and my dad had to make another hard decision that, hey, this kid doesn't speak English. So they, my mom took me and my four sisters back to the United States, and my dad remained over there working over there. And we would see him every six months or so. I mean, but that's what sacrifice looks like. I got to go to uh, school over here, and I was accepted to the inaugural class of Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. It's one of the top magnet schools in the nation. It is the number one. Yes, sir. Well, I don't know of any more because they changed the
2: entrance
3: requirement. um,
5: Because
2: of all the woke nonsense that the left perpetrated with transgender students attacking female students in restrooms and whatnot. So, yeah, yes, exactly. but it's a great, it's a gra- it is a great school. There are just a lot of people trying to make it, to make it suck. Yes. Go ahead.
5: <laughs> yeah, then I went to, uh, I went to the United States Naval Academy. I, I got a master's in physics from Naval Postgraduate School. I had a fellowship at MIT and Harvard, but I paid everything back with 25 years in special operations. I fought in Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia. Wow. And, you know, I was also a DC diver. I recovered John F. Kennedy Jr., his wife, his sister-in-law. What? I recovered the, uh, yeah, so you know, I did, it's all smoke and mirrors, you know, like it's not the normal childhood that everybody else has. But, you know, I retired. I retired. Yeah. I retired um, my last combat deployment was in uh, – I ended it in January 2021. And just watching the country fall six months later, I'm like, well, how how can this happen? We lost so many people over there for what? And so I, I retired, and I jumped in the Congress uh, congressional seat for the 10th district in Loudoun County where – like you said, transgender student attacks it, uh, another student and, and gets moved to another school We attacks another student. So this is crazy. This is why we have to, to fight. I mean, we have to fight back.
2: Now, Hongkao, you... Um uh, is on the phone with us, by the way. Uh, you are, you know, a hyphenated American, right? Asian American, blah, 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 et cetera. I look at you as an American. I am I just happen to be, a, a, I guess, Irish, English, German, American, whatever the hell that is. Uh, but, uh, but you know, a lot of the times we don't think about um, the the struggles that many Asian Americans uh, experience when they come here, but they, they are unrelenting in their pursuit of, of excellence uh, in, in creating business. A lot of the times in really bad neighborhoods, uh, Asian Americans move in to create a, uh, a front to to create a business in those places where most won't. Uh, frequently, they are, I would say, I would venture to say, one of the most uh, discriminated against populations in the entire country. And generally, that discrimination comes from the left in cities like, uh, and I've studied this for years, San Francisco and New York City. Uh, let me ask you about your experience as an Asian American with your family living in the United States. Uh, for those who who dishon on America as being so racist and awful, etc
5: Well, first of all, they kept calling me a white uh, adjacent last year because they didn't. Oh, yes, fit the narrative, right? <laughs> but I've seen racism all over the world. I mean, you know, the the Vietnamese hate the Chinese. The Chinese hate the Japanese. Uh, the in, in West Africa, they hated the Tuaregs. In Madagascar, they hated the Indians. The Greeks hate the, hates all all over the place. And my parents taught me to overlook it because the the only way to overcome racism is just be better than everybody else, you know, because yeah. at the end of the day when you're picking the best basketball player or the best, uh, you know, I- engineer, you've got to pick the best person not just because of the way they look or of course. that's how it used to be. They, they, so you've got to be the best at everything you do, and that's why we strive for everything. My parents taught me, you know, they can take away your, your money, they can take away your position life, but they can never take away the knowledge in your head. That's why education was so important for us.
2: Yes, sir. Yeah, you, uh, you served in the military for 25 years, Special Forces. My goodness. Uh, first of all, I, I am remiss if I don't say thank you for your service. Um, but... Uh, uh you served your country proudly. You left uh, the military. Joe Biden pulled us out of Afghanistan unceremoniously. Can you put into perspective from someone who served in Afghanistan, let alone Iraq or any theater of war, what that withdrawal meant to you, meant to your family, meant to the families of Gold Star Star families? Can you put into perspective what a blow that was and what an insult that was to our uh, serving uh, military and also those retired and those who are no longer with us.
5: Let's go back to 1975. Joe Biden's first vote was to stop all funding to Vietnam, which yeah. caused the fall of the Viet- of Saigon. Yes, uh, And not only that, he said, I don't care if it's one or 100,000 one Vietnamese, we don't owe them anything. So don't forget Joe Biden caused that. Let's fast forward to 2010 in Iraq, where I was there Uh, I was deployed out there and Joe Biden went over there to negotiate the SOFA agreement, status force agreement, and he failed to do so. And it caused us to have to pull out in the middle of the night also. I remember watching as American troops were being shot at on their way down to Kuwait and and we're watching helplessly on Blue Force Tracker, you know, watching troops go through and getting attacked from the side. And then you look at Afghanistan. I mean, for crying out loud, we had it under control when I left there in January 2021. The idea was always to leave 25 special forces behind as a, a quick reaction force. Just give the, let the Afghans stand on their own, and if they get overrun too badly, then we would come in and take care of things and bring the balance back. But Joe Biden pulling the carpet out from underneath everybody caused this entire, like everything we worked for for, for 20 years, all the blood we spilled, to, to be for naught, and I had Gold Star family members call, writing to me, going, "Why did my dad have to die?" These are these are people that I, I I've taken care of their kids, and and wrote to them, encouraged them, and they're like, "Why did my dad have to die? if We're gonna just give it up like that?" And then now you look at Ukraine, this was all Joe Biden's fault. You know, initially he well, first of all, being a feckless and weak leader, but also initially he didn't want to give anything to Ukrainians in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, in the other countries wanted to give them some stuff. It had nothing to do with us. But now he—it's like open. Uh, you know, let's just give them everything. Forty-two billion dollars, but th- there's no there's no oversight of what that money is going to. A lot of that money, believe it or not, is going to pay for the uh, the pension plan of Ukrainian government officials. Yeah. So you're asking yourself, why are we paying for their pension plan when we're not even paying our own social security?
2: Yeah. Hung cow, let me ask you this: uh, Obviously, if you get elected, you, uh, you, you know, I, I, we need to know what you're all about. Um, what, uh, where would you consider? Uh, what would you consider your priorities as a, uh, as a newly elected senator to the United States as a, as a Republican?
5: I would go. The first thing is is defending this country. It starts with our street, with great sheriffs like the sheriff in my county uh and, and defending on the border we, we get invaded by in the border by illegal immigrants as a legal immigrant i'm telling you right now you can't ask for the american dream if you don't embrace the american law mm-hmm. and then building up our military to tore off the chinese threat they're all over the place they, they want one thing which is destruction of america the second thing is economy we have to get this country back on track we have to lift all these regulations that are crippling businesses I mean, restaurant owners are, are barely making ends meet right now. Why would I want to be, you know, own a restaurant or a small business when all the regulations are forcing me to take things overseas and not hire Americans? And yeah. finally, innovation. Innovation begins with with education. We have to teach our young. We have to teach them the right things: Engineering, arts, and math. Not, not you know, all this crazy policy and, and pronouns. And so those are three things we want to uh, concentrate on.
2: Let me ask you this, because you uh, you are from your parents escaped from Vietnam. Your ad features prominently you pounding, which sounded like pounding on a door. You went to Thomas Jefferson High School in uh, Loudoun County, uh, which has been the uh, you know ground zero for uh, uh, Merrick Garland sending people to monitor people who disagree with c- critical race theory. Literally, the the FBI sicked on parents for disagreeing with that, and and then and then sending. Uh, FBI jackbooted thugs to go after a a gentleman who pushed a man who was confronting his child in front of an abortion clinic. How scary to you as someone who escaped a communist takeover of a country is this current iteration of the deep state and the federal government?
5: This is exactly what communism is. And this is why we have to fight. And what I mean is fight, You know, again, I'm not against the FBI itself because I spent many years on the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force the rank-and-file uh, special agents are my friends, and yes. they're sick, sick of it. It's the fourth floor of the Hoover Building that needs to go away completely. And so that's where the problem is, is these, these unelected officials that are running things and running the FBI uh, into the ground. Now, it, it is very similar to, to communism. That's why we have to fight. And the, way, the only way to fight is either run for office or support those who will because – It takes money to get your voice out there. It takes money to get to to drown out the left with all their rhetoric. We have to get commercials out there, and so if you're not going to run for office, then support those who do. You can go to my website on hungforva.com and and support us. I mean, just if all your listeners just gave five bucks, you know, I think we got this. If every listener out there just throws in five dollars, we're not. You know, times are hard for all of us, but we have support to support all the people running for office or we get
2: the mess that we have. Amen. And you know what? You've got Tim Kaine, you've got Tim Kaine presiding over the the fall of this country. Uh, Tim Kaine has voted right alongside the policies that have made 74% of the American people say that we are going in the wrong direction. And and I believe that it's it's incredibly difficult to beat a sitting senator almost impossible. You know that as well as I do. Uh but but it is a giant mountain to uh, to uh, to uh, climb, but I think it's absolutely possible. And Hung Cal, I, I wish you the very best in your in your fight. Hung for VA is the site. How's the reaction you're getting with that ad, by the way? Because I thought it was oh, Blockbuster. I thought it was Blockbuster, brother. It is so important. It is so important to hear your perspective and to know that this, these are the same tactics. We all know that these are the same tactics oh, that you. communistic yeah. regimes have done, used in the past.
5: No, nope, You're absolutely right. People, from uh, immigrants from Russia, from Somalia said, oh my gosh, that's exactly what happened to us. So you're right, it, it's, it, and if you don't think things can happen in America, then then you need to to wake up and look around.
2: Well, I'm uh, I'm glad you are uh, throwing your hat in the ring with regard to the Senate. I thought your your uh, your run for Congress was impressive as I got to know you, and and I will do everything that uh, that I can to get the message out, and, and I support you 100, percent brother, because you I think are what Virginia needs. You got a Republican governor. Now we need to have a senator uh, of you your caliber in there. Hung, thank you for joining me today, man. I appreciate it. And uh, where can people find you on social media as well? I know it's Hung for VA, but where can we find you on social media?
5: Yes, we're on
2: Facebook, we're on uh, Twitter, we're all on Truth Social, we're all over uh, on our website. It's C-A-U-H-U-N-G-C-A-C-A-O. C-A-O. Okay, brother. Hey, best of luck. We'll have you on again. Uh, In the meantime, Godspeed and thank you for your service, my friend. Thank you, Rob. All right, let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. I want to thank Hung Cow for uh, appearing on the show today, running for uh, Senate, in the state of Virginia. I mean, <laughs> I do. Here's his resume. I oh, had yeah, twelve special forces, twenty five years. I was one of the dive crew that went down and got the wreckage and the bodies of JFK Jr. I'm like, oh, what? Whoa, whoa, what, what, what? what? Uh, I mean, amazing, amazing guy, an amazing person. Dear God, can you think of anybody better to lead the country than somebody with the experience of this man and the decision making ability of this man? Versus, I don't know, Kamala Harris, who makes up stuff about slavery being taught in uh, Florida schools. Literally saying that uh, that they want to teach the benefits of being a slave in, in Florida schools, which is stupid. Here's MSNBC's reaction and Kamala Harris's comments about the curricula uh, right in a row here. Free housing, permanent employment, and all-you-can-eat cornbread. Board of Education of Florida wants you to see that job. Now it's is- kind of weird because the Democrat Party offers people free housing free food with snap benefits free phones you know government check Uh i'm just thinking out loud here and i think you know maybe slavery wasn't so bad <laughs> and all you have to do is stay on that thought plantation
4: say there were benefits to slavery then you're going to say there were benefits to women being property and subject to abuse and subject to home no. enslavement
2: it is not oh, only no. insulting it is humiliating oh, God. This-
6: it's a brutally honest depiction of american slavery the institution and therefore covers slavery from the perspective of the slave
2: now this is jesse waters talking about the curricula in florida talking about slavery He's telling the truth. Instead of just from the perspective of the master.
6: The curriculum includes how black slaves were able to use their experience, in some cases, to make their brutally hard lives better. Yeah. The course examines the various duties and trades performed by slaves like agricultural work, painting, carpentry,
2: tailoring, domestic service. And if you take that away from them and just say they were enslaved and oppressed, then you take their history from them.
6: Blacksmithing, transportation. Instruction includes how slaves developed skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. That's the section everyone's freaking out about, especially Kamala Harris.
4: Just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery.
2: And you know what? It's funny because she uh, was just idling along and this, uh, apparently this word got out about this passage and they suddenly decided to uh, reform her image by using this non-issue. That's what this is about. This is why her passionate speech about it, which is not being well-received because everybody sees through it. Here's Representative Scott Jennings, or not representative, he's actually a pundit. Scott Jennings talking about uh, uh, Kamala Harris. It's
7: amazing to me that how little Kamala Harris apparently has to do, that she can read something on Twitter one day and be on an airplane the next. Oh, weird, uh, weird. Something literally out of nothing. This is a completely made up deal. Yes, I look at the faux outrageers. I even looked at an analysis of the standards. In every instance where the word slavery or slave was used, I even read the statement of the African American scholars that wrote the standards. Well, they're obviously racist, Ron DeSantis. But the scholars, everybody involved in this, says this is completely a fabricated issue, and yet.
2: Yeah, and you know, and I've said this before. When Democrats say that the country is systematically racist and you can't achieve anything, what you really do is you destroy the legacy of the greatest people who ever walked on the planet. And I've said this before. Where is the Jesse Owens of, of uh, you know, France? You know, where's the Oprah Winfrey of Chad? Where's the uh, Clarence Thomas of wherever? Where is the uh, Louis Armstrong of, of Afghanistan? I mean, honestly, the greatest people of color in history uh, have come from the United States of America. And when you say that slavery was just, and it was an awful, evil, uh, it was an evil practice that was commonplace in the, in the world. But when you say they just were enslaved, you take their lives from them and the things that they accomplished, despite it all, all right? Uh, We'll get a little little bit more on this and and much more coming up. 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show.
1: You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America on air and on the world wide web. This is The Rob Carson Show.
2: Hour number three of the new Rob Carson show what the new Rob Carson show what did he do? well I'm not identifying as anything and I haven't gone any uh, any uh, hormonal treat well no I actually I'm, I'm taking testosterone but that said uh, that's not, not the kind of transition we're making here We are uh, we're gonna accentuate the positive we're gonna we're gonna focus on uh, on what we do best what the show does best one of those things is uh, political comedy and uh, and and uh, and opinions. Sure. But uh, but leaning into the uh, the comedy, you know, I, w- I was talking to my uh, my friend this weekend. And, and if you if you want to hear the whole monologue about the changes in the show um, that that I've I've made, um, I would say autonomously. But I had uh, wonderful guidance from my producer, Ken. Uh, he's wonderful. And, uh, and a good friend of mine who's a comedian who really uh, put it into perspective when I said what I'm going to do. And he said, well, of course. Um, listen to the very beginning of the show. Just go to newsmax.com/listen. I uh, I found myself this weekend, um, the last month and a half, two months. Uh, I I kind of changed how I do the show. I I uh, started off, you know, jump right in, get to the news of the day, and I and I was beginning to almost do the show like a news show. And you know that I had to talk about a congressional hearing for an hour, and I, I'm like, you know, I wasn't I wasn't personally happy with it. Um, I, don't, I think that, that, that as far as the people reached, it was still reaching an audience very successfully. But I think we could do better if we focus on what I do best, which is political satire and commentary and guests and connection. And, and uh, you know, while I'm busy talking about congressional hearings, I'm missing the really good stuff, like talking about um, you know, my adoption story or, or talking about the great things that are happening in the country. So you're, you're going to notice um, a difference. And, and I, I remember I heard a promo. And uh, Brian is a, a producer of the show in Baltimore, and he is kind enough to put together a promo every day in Baltimore for the radio show. And I, I was listening to the promos for the show, and they, and they sound kind of angry, kind of like I'm just pounding a phone topic or pounding a, a desk. And, and I thought, if that's me, if that's the promo for the show then maybe i to adjust the content of the show, you know, because it's, it's, I think you don't need a general. Uh, you don't need someone to lead you into battle. You're already in the battle. You already recognize what's wrong with the country. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I mean, sometimes I'll bring up something that, that is an observation, and I'll stick by my, my observations about what's happening in the country because they're, I believe, astute, and they are uh, backed up with... Um, uh life experience and common sense and research and and the show still can be a thought leader uh because a lot of the things that i say a lot of other pundits pick it up the next day Uh, i said for instance um on friday i was talking about um oh oh uh the jason aldean song and i read the lyrics of the jason aldean song and he's talking about crime in, in, uh, in, in the summer of 2020. And he says, bring that to a small town, and see what it gets you. And uh, immediately the left said it was racist and Jason Aldean was racist and the lyrics were racist. And I said that uh, you're the one who painted a color on the violence in America's inner cities. He never said black people did this, but the left did. And uh, I said, by, by just saying that Jason Aldean's song is racist, th- you're really the racist. By saying that the violent acts he described are exclusively, according to you, the left, uh, they are the doings of people of color in inner cities. So that's racist. And then and Gutfield picked it up on Friday night. He didn't, probably didn't think of it. He didn't, probably didn't hear me. I don't know if he did or not. But but I had the opinion, and, and generally, I can be a thought leader without spending an hour and a half talking about a congressional hearing. You know what I'm saying? you know what I'm saying? So uh, that's that's basically it. You're going to hear uh, you know some connection, uh, you know uh, you're going to hear me talking to, uh, to to pundits and whatnot. and I'm not going to try and out pundit pundits. I just I'm not going to I don't think it's interesting. I don't think it's very interesting when I do that. I think I'd rather talk to people about real stuff. And you can watch the Sunday morning talk shows if you want to hear a talking head. I'm not going to be that. So, um, anyway, 800 uh, 922 Thomas in Baltimore has been holding. He wanted to talk about Kamala Harris and her slavery comments about Florida curricula. Uh, Kamala Harris says they're trying to teach the benefits of slavery, uh, which is absurd. But, Thomas, go right ahead, my friend, and thanks for holding.
8: Oh, you, you have a good show. Uh, I was born in Raymer, Alabama, and my great-great-grandfather was a slave. Yes, sir. He outsmarted his master. Yes. Ended up with his own plantation. Amen. Bigger than the white guy's plantation. <laughs> and and he was a blacksmith. Yes. And, and like I said before, he outsmarted the white dude and yes. ended up buying his freedom. Yes, sir. My, Thomas. My, my Huh?
2: Go ahead. Go ahead.
8: My family has been living on the same land for seven generations. I pay taxes on my great-great-grandfather's plantation today.
2: Wow! Wow! <laughs> That's amazing, man. You know, I'm Thomas, gonna it, reti- I'm going to retire there. I, I love it.
8: it, it but it, but it, but is it, it, Raymer, Alabama?
2: Google it. I will. I will. It,
8: and also also born on there was uh Oscar Gamble my cousin
2: really now thomas yes. you know when when you have somebody like Kamala Harris saying that the curricula is uh is racist even though it was written by black americans uh because they said that slaves while they were slaves learned things don't you think that cheapens what your grandfather went through because when your grandfather when slavery ended he was able to take skills that he focused on that he 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 just if he's going to be a slave he's going to he's going to learn these skills he's going to hone these skills and then he had a goal when he left slavery and he got his own plantation and used those skills to to beat back the guy who owned the plantation in the first place and make it a better place—that's pretty amazing, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. Now only was I—I I was born on the on that land,
8: and my first school was on that land. Wow.
2: Thomas, when you, when you hear, um, people like, uh, Kamala Harris, or you hear like Sonny hosting on TV and, and she says that the country is fundamentally racist and, and black people can't do anything. I feel that cheapens the legacy of the most amazing people who have worked to have lived on this planet. They just Absolutely. happen to be, they just happen to be black people, but I don't care who it is. If you compare Wilma Rudolph to whoever, or you compare, uh, you know, Martin Luther King to whoever, uh, they're, they're exceptional on their own because of them being people, not being black. Right. Yeah, and, and that's what I – I, I, I always think cheapens the legacy, Thomas. And, and, you know, I want to tell you something else, something that I have learned over the years, because I've been a barbecue uh, chef for about 30 years. And barbecue came from the slaves. And I don't right. know if you you know the story. The slaves got the cheap cuts of meat. That's why they, that's why they have the, uh, the expression, high on the hog. Because if you're living right. high on the hog, you get the choice cuts of meat, and that goes to the plantation house. And the cheap cuts right. of meat went to the, the slaves. And you know what the slaves did? They made it better than the stuff being served in the plantation house. Because they That's used amazing. time and they used time and fire and ingredients, and they made something better than the white man in that plantation house ever even dreamed of eating, and it lives to today.
8: Have you heard of the, the term cakewalk? Yes. Do you know where that came from? No. What happened was the slaves would laugh at the white people and the way they danced. They thought it was funny, the way they danced. And so what they would do is they would make fun of them by, by imitating the white people the way they dance. That's how they entertained themselves. Okay, The, 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 white, the white folk saw the slaves, Imitating them, making fun of the way they dance. And so <laughs> the white people became entertained. And oh, so they decided to have contests between the, the plantation. Okay. Okay. And, the, and the, the one that did it the best would get a cake.
2: Oh. That's how the
8: word cakewalk came from.
2: No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> well, th- Thomas, Thomas, brother, I really do appreciate your story today. Thank you okay. for sharing that. Thank you. That's pretty Thank awesome. You. All right, you have a good. You have a good. Uh, you have a good day. Uh, let's talk about, and I'm going to use a word that everybody's going to freak out about. Have you ever listened to Negro spirituals? It's a genre of music. It's one of the greatest musical genres you could ever imagine and it still exists today. It's still used. It's still used in modern music. It is. Here, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Uh, And now I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the, um, I'm not talking about the, uh, uh, the, the 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 artist I'm talking about the how they did uh, the music and, and the and the and the temper and whatnot. This is this is for instance. I'll give you an example. Listen to this. This is the beginning of a song I played on the show. It's Colter Wall. He's a country music guy, but listen to this right here. Here it comes here it comes here it comes that segued into blues, jazz, all of these things. People looking past their hardship and doing the best they could with the time and their lot in life, which was slavery. It's not an insult to say that they learned. Here, listen, right there. Where do you think that came from? Where do you think that came from? It came from a temper. It it came from a rhythm that you needed to get through the day's labor. That that sort of music is you know you remember you were associated with chain gangs in the 1920s, and then, you know and, and when you when you whiz on these, uh, you know, the curricula by saying, oh, there are white people and they're racist and they, all you're doing is destroying their legacy. It's sad and pathetic. It's And this, it's all done by uh, liberal white people and, you know, I've used this example um, uh, Karen, I call her Karen. Karen is a white liberal. She's the one who said that we had to get rid of the police when George Floyd was killed. They are the ones who said you got to get rid of Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben, even though it erased the mem- memory of Aunt Jemima in her home community, which made her exceptional, made her famous. It wasn't a caricature of a, of a slave it was a powerful woman who created a brand and and represented a brand and people were proud of it they were proud of Aunt Jemima but but concerned Karen's got involved and decided they can make decisions for the community they're not a part of let's go to Alice in Catonsville hello Alice welcome to the Rob Carson show what's up
4: oh hey Rob I'm so glad you brought up that um, subject about the barbecue because I was listening to NPR about a week ago And there was a show, a program that was celebrating. Whoa, whoa,
2: whoa. Why the hell were you listening to NPR? Are you out of your mind?
4: (laughs) It's the weekend.
2: (laughs) Oh, okay. All right, whatever. I thought maybe you had a mental breakdown or something. I don't know. No, but sometimes I I listen to all. uh, That's all right.
4: Continue, Continue your story. They are. They were celebrating this uh, restaurant tour in, I believe, it was in North Carolina or South Carolina.
2: Yeah.
8: Uh,
4: who had a barbecue, and he was using his culinary skills that had been passed down from generation to generation from his slave ancestors, um, and yes. as well as learning from the, those who had come from, uh, also from Africa, who also did barbecue by burying uh things in the dirt and then cooking them that way and of course he's he's been featured on some uh culinary show that's really probably popular that so i don't really watch tv so i really that's I have okay no idea that's okay, was, well, but, yeah. okay. And so so yes and, and also i wanted to mention that um so mary anna custis lee was married to robert e lee and she yeah. had always lived Arlington House. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but she made sure that her, a lot of her female slaves learned how to read and write, even though it was illegal. And uh, she wanted to make sure that they were educated. And when she had to leave Arlington House, because the union was taking over the area, um, her number one um, slave, female slave that was, you know, in charge of everything, you know, her I don't want to call her a house slave, but obviously she was Quick, a house slave. Go ahead. Anyway, she um, she had to protect things from the Union soldiers that were trying to steal things, okay. and in fact, she right. documented them. And later, after the war, had uh, was instrumental in getting these things returned. Anyway, okay. but there's a whole lot of um, interesting history. There there were times where. <laughs> You know, yeah, probably- listen,
2: Alice, I've got to run. I've got to run because we're up against heartbreak. I greatly appreciate it. I've been to Arlington House a million times. It's a fascinating story. Uh, let's, we got other things to get to, including uh, He-Man being nixed by uh, Netflix. They were going to do a woke version of it. Hunter Biden called Joe at least 24 times during business meetings with clients. And your phone calls. This is the Rob Carson Show. It's a Metallica Monday. Yeah, Metallica Monday. <laughs> it could be a Metallica Tuesday through Sunday. I don't even care. i got to have me some Metallica. It is the uh, the new Rob Carson Show. Uh, not so focused on uh, hour-long screeds about uh, congressional hearings. How about we just talk about everything, make fun of it, and uh, and also still be an opinion leader, by the way. It's important to be an opinion leader because we are. We are. We're way ahead of the crowd on a lot of stuff. But uh, honestly, you don't need more stress. You don't need your blood pressure to go up. So um, we're going to focus a little bit more on uh, the stuff that really impacts you. All right? and And fighting the good fight, by the way. Johnny and Santa Cruz will have the final note on uh, Kamala Harris saying that uh, in Florida they want to teach uh, kids that uh, you learn some valuable skills from slavery. Uh, Johnny, welcome to the show. Go ahead and tell me.
6: Now, no, the comedy is you and I both know. I'm Jewish, and we've talked, and you've got to know me. And the comedy I'm Jewish, and we were Roman slaves. And yes. so, where are we going to yes. go
1: with yes. the fact that? Oh.
6: Where who was slaves first? Where is this going? Camo's family owned slave.
2: You know what? Where I mean, seriously, Johnny, Johnny, I was, uh, was
6: slave too. You know
2: look at look, I was- yeah. Look at the look at the skills that the Jews got out of that. Uh, you know, uh, making bricks without straw and telling great jokes and oh, and basically, I might also mention, I'm not sure if this came out of that time, but the, I had three Jewish agents. I wonder if they gained those skills in in no, ancient they, Egypt. They, they
6: have the five commandments <laughs> from Mel Brooks that he dropped. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> where is, but I'm saying, where is it going to go? I mean, where? Is, Know what it was? Where? Is, <laughs> like, we want reparations right? I want reparations from the reparations from
2: the reparations. I'm hey, gonna, dude! Now dude. listen. I listen. I paid reparations to Norm Shred for ten years, pre taxed every month. Thank you very much. So, uh, you know, forget that. But aren't you on strike though? I'm a WGA. Aren't you, I'm WGE.
6: I mean, are you on no,
2: strike? No, no. I I'm not on. I'm not a member of any union. <laughs> but
6: we have to. You know that. That's how they get you. you Got it. Our money, no. But I'm Ugh. telling you, you have your new show is great, and I just compliment you I and say, it. no. I'm told I actually, between you and me, and on the air, I'll pitch this. And MZ, I pitched you as the new host for the new five. I said, MZ and the oh. CEO, I said to, we know the guys at Newsmax. I go, you should be the new host. We have another friend. It's Adam zodovich I'll say it on the air right now. You would be the new great host of a new five. Like you buddy,
2: know, I would I would love to host a, a panel show like that. I I love what Greg Gutfeld does. I'll just tell you, uh, you know, but my I think,
6: dr- I think you would be the next Johnny Carson. And well, you know, that's name. and I know your history. That's who you named yourself.
2: Thank you, you know. very much. That's why. Yeah.
6: Is the ultimate understand as a Jew, as a very Jewish ambitious Jew. You yeah, you know,
2: I, I I could be looking for writers, Johnny. I could be looking no, but, for but writers. You, you know, you are the
6: new you are the new Don Rickles, and we need. Uh. The Don Rickles, and it's an ultimate compliment to you, Rob. Thank you, thank you. That is, you know, you and I, we worshipped him. We did a movie, I told you, with Mel Mel Brooks that was Lusitania's Spoof of Titanic. And you, and that's what people need. We need Don Rickles, we need you guys, because comedy is the best way to
2: teach people things. One thousand percent. And Johnny, and also, I might also mention, uh, comedy uh, speaks truth to power more powerfully than anything, because not only can it be factual, but it also humiliates those in charge. And they hate
6: mean, it. You could be the new Don Rickles. And that.
2: <laughs> well, I'd rather I'd rather be the new I'd rather be the new Johnny Carson, but Don Rickles' respect. I understand that. Thanks for the call, but I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. Uh, it's uh it's important. It's really, really important. All right, so coming up, we got to Mike Huckabee. Let me talk to him. He's got a show on Newsmax that is the tonight show. I mean it is unbelievable he has this beautiful set band the whole deal going to talk to him about that get his thoughts on the uh, the presidential race and whatnot get his thoughts on his daughter as the governor of arkansas because she's kicking butt i do still want to get to that uh, netflix he-man live action being canceled and then also <laughs> Uh, New dads can suffer from postnatal depression, too. Really? Uh, If you're going to be a dad, you're going to have to man up a little bit more than that. Mike up. Huckabee is next. Don't go anywhere. This is The Rob Carson Show. Monday edition of the Rob Carson Show, the new Rob Carson Show. Thank you very much, where we lean into a humorous commentary, among other things. Uh, Mike Huckabee, former governor of the great state of Arkansas, former presidential candidate, current host of a fantastic show, and I hear one heck of a bass player joins us on the Newsmax Hotline. How are you today, sir? Rob,
7: I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be with you, and uh, just uh, thank you for Letting me be with you
2: on the show. Uh, I watched your show last night on Newsmax. I gotta tell you, uh, I don't know how you wrangled this crew, but this show is tight, man. I, I mean, I see this intro. I'm expecting to see Johnny Carson walk out. Uh, it, it it's really it's really something else, Mike. Uh, congratulations on on everything with regard to the show. It's it's really cool to see conservative. Uh, talk taken off like you've done it Uh, gutfeld has done it more with a comedic approach uh congratulations mike i think it's fantastic
7: well i appreciate that we are so blessed we have a phenomenal professional crew in nashville we have a dedicated theater just to do our show Uh, i think our production value and our theater actually exceeds anything that you'll find on the east or west coast And I think the production value is uh, ever a bit as good, frankly, I think it's even better than you'll see on Fallon or Colbert or any of them. And I say that, but I also say that's what people tell us who have made the circuit of the shows and they come and say, this was truly well done. So we're proud of it. We're about to start our seventh season, which is hard to believe. And uh, we're just having a great time, quite frankly. I find it amazing that I get to do this and have this much fun.
2: Well, you know, I always dreamed of, uh, Johnny Carson was my idol growing up. That's why I used the name Carson on the radio. Um, and, uh, and he was my idol. And if for you, when you walk out and that band is playing, I would assume at least for a little while, and maybe it still does, it, it's almost a, a pinch me, this is real moment. Because you walk out, but you, you've worked crowds before, Mike, but you've never had a band. You've never had a group there to see the show. It, it's pretty cool.
7: Well, it is. And, uh, of course, our house band, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, they're all session musicians in Nashville. They can play anything. They are just amazing. And it creates a level of energy in that room uh, that is palpable. And we have guests who come and they'll say, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. <laughs> Especially people who have, you know, they, they've made the rounds, the news channels, and it's, uh, you know, a, a pretty quiet and sterile environment. And then they come to this environment And Suddenly, they have an audience that's applauding them and laughing at their jokes, and it's just a whole new deal. And
2: yeah, so you well. want to talk about musicians in Nashville, dear to Lord in heaven? I mean, the best you could ever possibly imagine. All right, let's move on to some stuff going on. Devin Archer is going to make his appearance before Congress, House Oversight Committee, talking about Hunter Biden's business dealings. Uh, you know, Mike, it, it looks like you you could <laughs> you could put anything out there about Hunter Biden in the mainstream media to look past it like it's no big deal. What do you expect on the heels of? The The fireworks last week on Capitol Hill with uh, Devin Archer.
7: You know, I want to say to some of these news channels, uh, uh, you guys are really missing quite a story here. I don't know how you ignore it. (laughs) And when Devin Archer shows up, this is going to be yet another really irrefutable moment of saying Joe Biden not only knew about his son's business dealings, and he lied when he said he didn't, but he was in on those business dealings repeatedly in on him. It wasn't just that he happened to pop by the room. He was in the meetings and a part of these deals and how anybody, uh, whether they're hardcore Democrat, Joe Biden supporters, and of course, I'm speaking now of the media. um, But with all of that, how can they ignore what is really the most scandalous moment in all of American political history? And I know that's a statement that sounds hyperbolic, but it isn't. Rob this truly is the most scandalous <laughs> story to ever rock this country where a sitting vice president now sitting president has a history of taking millions of dollars from foreign governments some of which are at best described as enemies like communist yeah. China
2: you know Mike I got to tell you I should I should call you can I do you mind if I call you Mike I should ask if oh, uh, instead no, of I, just I, assuming I
7: that. It's some the other things people call me that I don't
2: enjoy. So <laughs> I won't that call was. you those things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I um, am seeing this exposure of not only the deep state to cover the crimes of Joe Biden, but the crimes of Joe Biden as a, uh, a gift from God. I really do, Mike, because when you were running for president, did you have any idea that Washington, D.C. was as abjectly corrupt uh, as it is, as we have discovered in the last couple of years with regard to censorship, with regard to uh, election uh, interference, including what's going on now with the uh, the Justice Department being weaponized against Donald Trump? Did you have any idea that Washington, D.C. was this
7: bad? No, I didn't, Rob. And I'll be honest, uh, looking back, I mean, I knew the donor class was really running everything and the donors would get to Democrats and Republicans and they would cover their bets. And that's why nothing changed, because the donors owned the politicians of Washington. And that's one reason Donald Trump was so disruptive and why they hate him so much is because he did not come in obligated to the donor class. That scares the daylights out of him. But the biggest difference between then and now is that I don't think we ever imagined that the alphabet government agencies, the IRS, the DOJ, the FBI, would be in on the whole scandal, that they would be as much a part of it as have been the corrupt politicians. They have become the corrupt politicians. And when you have the agencies that are supposed to enforce law instead breaking it and breaking people with it, now we have an unprecedented situation in the country and one that truly can not just disrupt this republic, but destroy it.
2: No, I'm, uh, I'm seeing uh, a lot of victories happening lately, Mike, and I'm sure you would agree the Target uh, controversy, the Bud Light controversy. Uh, you know, It looks like uh, these uh, diversity, equity, inclusion programs at uh, major corporations are doing a face plant. Jason Aldean's show, go- a song going number one. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, Democrats actually showing that they are racist by claiming that the song is racist, by saying that the violence uh, being spoken about in the uh, song about the summer of 2020 is exclusively a black problem so that made it racist what do you think about the American people waking up and recognizing all of this what I call nonsense and do you suppose that we're beginning to see a return to common sense from nonsense in this country
7: yeah I really do Rob and and what's happened uh you know there's always a bridge too far and I think the left has built it and then destroyed it and now it's it's coming to grips with people that if they don't stand up, speak up and begin to force change, their children are going to come home and one day say, hey, I'm a girl and there's nothing you can do about it because uh, my school is protecting me and we don't even have to tell you about it. So I think we're really seeing something traumatic, And, and quite yes. frankly, I think the genesis of it was the first real sign of it was the Loudoun County school. Yes. Where those parents just said, enough, we're yep. not going to keep putting up with it. That was the turning point in the election of Glenn Youngkin and Virginia's governor. And now we've seen it, as you've mentioned, it's the Bud Light, it's the uh, Target stores. It's this whole avalanche of people saying no to Disney. We're not going anymore. The, the stock of these companies is plummeting. And it's because people are not going to the streets and they're not firebombing the windows. They're just saying, I'll put my dollars elsewhere. I'm not going to subject my kids the things that destroy everything I'm trying to teach them. I think it is an incredibly powerful moment in American history right now.
2: Um, I agree completely, um, and and it's uh, it's something that I, I'm glad to know that not only were we exposed to all the corruption, but also we are exposed to the power and the drive of the American people. Mike, when 74% of the American people say the country is going in the wrong direction, don't you suppose those 74%, whether they're D's or R's, could come together to save her Don't you suppose?
7: Yeah, I think so. Uh, It's going to require people who think more about their children and the future of the country than they do about an individual party. And what they have to understand is that we're no longer battling left, right, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. Our battle now is good versus evil. This is this is no longer the horizontal battle. This is the vertical battle. This is up and down, heaven and hell, good and evil. That's where the battle lines are now drawn.
2: Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what you thought of the presidential race right now on the GOP side. Uh, Obviously, they're steering uh, the Democrat Party to Joe Biden. That's what like what they did with uh, Hillary Clinton 2016, what they did in Biden in 2020. Um, What do you think about the Republican field? Who do you think it's going to be and um, and who do you see as potential uh, running mate for the You know, I'll just say for Trump, in case he becomes it. Yeah. But what do you think of the field so far, the developments of the race, and who, uh, if, if Trump is going to be the candidate, would be the, an ideal uh, running mate? <clears throat> I think Trump will be the
7: candidate. Uh, and the more the Democrats and the uh, DOJ and these rogue prosecutors try to persecute him, I think the more they only empower him. Uh, as to the other, the field, one of the people that impresses me is Vivek Ramaswamy. And part of the reason is, is because he's smart enough not to try to attack Donald Trump, but he's also articulating a message that is really resonating with people. And nobody's ever heard of him, really, until he has uh, written a best-selling book and gotten into this. But I think some of the candidates uh, are disgracing themselves. Chris Christie uh, sounds like somebody who is being financed by the Lincoln Project. Yes, He doesn't have a message of his own. His only message is saying gee, I am really deep hurt from something Donald Trump did to me, and now if I can just go and and do something to hurt him, I'm going to feel like my life is worth something. I'm just disgusted by that. Uh, Some of the other candidates just aren't getting much traction. Ron DeSantis seems to have somewhat stalled. He he could restart, but I don't think anybody catches up with Trump. He has a base that is solid, um, and he also has a fervent, group of people, including me, uh, who believe that he may be the only one who can continue dealing with this relentless attack that he's experiencing and have the guts to fight back and not grow weary from it
2: to be in you know what I said last week I said I think it empowers him because if you saw the reaction that he got at the uh, the uh, 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 MMA bout in Vegas a couple weeks ago to me it looked like he wished he could be in that rink but he actually is experiencing it on the outside and and he is energized by it I think he's pretty uh, pretty amazing and you know what else I think if Vivek Ramaswamy became VP with Trump it would be the first time we had a vice president who was proud of his Indian heritage unlike Kamala Harris it never gets mentioned (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, Mike, I want to right. ask you one more question because you're a bass guy. Uh, what is that bass you play? Is that a uh, what is that? The one I play on the show. Is it a Rickenbacker? Now. Rickenbacker. Yeah, it's a Rickenbacker. The size I told you one time I said it looks it's the size of one of those protective chess covers that umpires in the major leagues wear. it's that big. <laughs> I want to ask you this, though, because I played guitar in high school and, you know, yeah. you know, you learn riffs and all this stuff. Let me ask you: favorite bass riff to uh, to practice with, and uh, your the greatest bassist. We'll just say rock music of all time. So, what's your riff song? What's your riff song, and who do you idolize as a bassist?
7: One of the great riff songs I like to just kind of warm up with is uh, one that a lot of people won't even recognize. It's a song called "Inside Out." Um, inside Looking Out, and it's uh, done by the Animals from way back in the 60s. Oh,
6: well, okay.
1: The
7: baseline. As far as the my favorite bassist, you got to put Paul McCartney in there because he was such an innovator. Yeah. He never got credit for how good he was. Mel Shaker from Grand Funk Railroad. Yes. He was one of a three-member band, and they sounded like ten people. They were so yes.
1: good. Yes,
2: yes.
7: Um, so – you know uh jack bruce from cream there's yeah. another one who uh who who did things with the bass and everybody else copied it
2: yes yeah, and uh, you know I I I always love to listen to bass lines. I listen to I listen to a lot of funk, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Earth Wind and Fire, a lot of the great uh, urban artists. Of course, Grand Funk crossed the threshold from rock to kind of that that you know they they, they messed with it a little bit. But I uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, of bass when it's done really really well. So uh, I do appreciate the insights, my friend. Oh, one other question: How is Sarah doing as governor of the state of Arkansas? Uh, I know you've got to be proud of her she's uh, she is a rock star uh, but how is Arkansas going with your your daughter being in charge
7: she is doing great she's passed a incredible education bill that will provide a choice for parents where they can put their kid in a public school but they can also put them in private parochial or homeschool them getting ninety percent of what the state pays for the student uh, direct to the parents to switch is best for their children I mean, it's just, uh, that's an extraordinary advance and something I'm real proud for her getting it done.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, she's an amazing person. It's great to have you on, my friend. Uh, we'll make sure to watch for your show. And uh, where can people find you on uh, social media? They can go to uh, Twitter, or
7: now I guess it's called X. Yes. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and catch me at Huckabee.tv. You can get the channel finder for the – Uh, tv and television show and i hope to uh get people watching
2: all right very good my friend have a glorious uh, weekend thanks for being on the show we'll have you on again let's take a break you are listening to the rob carson show I want to thank uh, Mike Huckabee for joining us on the show. Here's the song that he said he likes to riff with on his Rickenbacker bass.
1: Okay.
2: That's the animals uh, inside looking out. That's what Mike Huckabee said he likes to riff on when he plays the bass. I wanted to share it because I'm a music radio guy, uh, and I know every song. I mean, from the last 60 years, popular song. Not all that familiar with this one. <laughs> There's that. There's just that. All right. Uh, before we go, I, I want to get to this, uh, this He-Man story. Um, Netflix reportedly wasted $30 million on a live-action He-Man movie before the woke streaming service decided to axe the project as it scales back production. <clears throat> Masters of the Universe, which apparently uh, they were going to develop into a partnership with Mattel. See, they used to make the movie, then make the toys. Now they take the toys and make the movie. Barbie being one of those. And by the way, I saw a lot of people dressing up to go to the movies last night and this weekend. My my wife got bre- dressed up in that uh, breast up, <laughs> uh, got dressed up like the Barbie characters. And so did my daughter. And uh, I felt a little out of place because I dressed like Einstein for the Oppenheimer movie, and uh, nobody else did. I'm like, I've shown up, I'm a scientist. Apparently different, totally different thing. I, I completely read it wrong. But anyway, uh, so they, uh, they're gonna, they were going to do a $200 million version of uh, He-Man, because, you know, I mean, we really need a live-action version of He-Man. But uh, according to Variety, the company had sunk $30 million, and they decided to get rid of it. Apparently, the, uh, the third season of Masters of the Universe Revelation is a feminist revisionist uh, m- uh, of Mattel's beloved action fantasy world for boys with uh, female Teela, not He-Man, emerging as the series protagonist. So there's fear that they're going to make it woke, etc. And I made a little observation because, you know, they want to really desensitize He-Man and all of this stuff. But if you listen to the original He-Man, uh, you know, it'd make you kind of question his sexuality. I'm just saying, listen, listen, it's real. And the masters of listen. the universe. Just listen, it's real.
1: Listen. I am Adam. Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is
2: Cringer, my fearless friend. Cringer was the tiger that was cringy. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me. Okay, hold on. He said fabulous secret powers. Okay, I think we know what that means. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers
1: were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword.
2: Okay, and- all right. Hold on a second. He said, fabulous powers were revealed to me when I held aloft my magic sword. Let's hear that again.
1: This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers I mean, were revealed to me the day I held... What are
2: those fabulous powers?
1: my magic sword and said, by the power of Greyskull.
2: What I say every time I hold aloft my magic sword... <laughs> man was a little uh uh, you know i mean there's that the problem with the uh the he man genre is that the left hates the pronoun he and the gender man that's that's the reason why they want to get rid of it all right let's uh let's take a break and uh, wrap things up uh this my friends is the rob carson show All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you very much for listening. You're going to notice some very positive changes, and I hope you enjoyed it today. Listen to the podcast, newsmax.com slash listen. Have a glorious day. God bless you guys. And as always, until tomorrow, don't catch the stupid. See you then.